The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Welcome to the business show that will change the way you look at your business practice, your organization, and yourself. This is Let's Get Radical with Liz Gold and Jody Paydar. On today's show, you'll get the straight scoop on what it means to be radical and how it can help you become the next success story. Now, here are your hosts, Jody and Liz. Hey, Liz, are you ready? Jody, I am so ready. Let's get radical. So it's pretty cool. We're talking about um, franchises. Yeah, franchises, because like, like it's most of small business America's franchised, right? Did you know that? I did not know that, but I, I guess I do believe it because, you know, it's a it's an interesting model and I want to hear more about it. Our guest today is all about he started a franchise, so um, it's pretty but, exciting. But what's your favorite franchise, Liz? My favorite franchise. I mean, you know, um, you know, I have to say, I'm somebody that likes to shop and visit local establishments, and and um, but when I do go to a franchise, I kind of like Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like, but Target. I don't know if you would call Target Tar- a franchise. Target's not a franchise. Target's it's not a, a chain. Franchise. It's a chain, it's a right? Chain. Okay, so. so there's a difference there, and maybe we should talk about that. But probably, I would say Wendy's is a is a good franchise. I, I'm really i into I'm into their spicy chicken sandwich. I have to say, and their frosting. Oh. <laughs> so you know what's interesting <laughs> about franchises is that um, I think a lot of people go into them uh, like thinking that they're going to be all the solution for having a business and yet you still have to run a business by itself. Like you still have to be a business owner, right? Because I think a lot of people buy into the idea of having a franchise and thinking, oh, the franchise or is going to tell them exactly how everything is going to run. And yet they don't realize that there's a learning curve. So, um, so I, I think one of the interesting things is, is my partner actually spent, um, 35 years at corporate for Midas International. So that would be my dad. So my dad actually worked in the franchise industry. And it, it's interesting because I've kind of seen both sides of it, right? Kind of the both sides of the perspective. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and what? But wait, before you introduce our guest, I, you, I have to ask you, what's your favorite franchise? What's my favorite franchise? Yes. So I think my favorite <laughs> franchise is I'm going to go with food again. So you're at Wendy's and I'm yeah. going to say McDonald's. And the reason I'm going to say McDonald's is because, um, you know, everyone disses on McDonald's and how bad the food is for you. But when you think about how many millions of Americans 
and worldwide of people they've served with the same consistency of the same crazy hamburger. And it's iconic. And so it isn't necessarily because I love McDonald's food, but I think about from a business perspective, what, you know, Ray Kroc did in Des Plaines, Illinois. Mm-hmm. So, cause mm-hmm. it's local to us is mm-hmm. just amazing. So mm-hmm. I think from the business perspective of McDonald's, it's unbelievable. And then of course, you know, Wendy's came in and copied. Okay. Well, you know, that's okay. It's the, it's, what is it? They say the greatest form of uh, flattery is imitation. So, you know, props to Wendy. Um, (laughs) So let's introduce our guest. Yeah, I will. So our guest today is Mark Ellison and he spent 30 years in retail um, he was at Target, Walgreens, and I don't know if you remember the store Venture, which was actually one of my favorite stores when I was growing up. It's been gone for a while. I don't know if it's a Midwest chain or not, but Venture is now gone. But he was once there, and at 50 years old, he decided to invest in a franchise called Play It Again Sports. Um, and, he, you know, he's living to tell about it. It's about a year anniversary <laughs> for him, and without any further ado, I'll... Um, let Mark say hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Mark. We're so glad you're here. Well, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure for me to be on. So tell us about Play It Against Sports. I mean, I, I'm familiar with it. I'm from Portland, Maine, and there was always a Play It Against Sports in, uh, in my area, and I, I'm really familiar with it. But how would you describe it to people who are, have never heard of it before? Okay. Um, well, Play It Against Sports has been around uh, for about 30 years. Um, it's changed over the years, but it's now a franchise model business. It used to be a corporately owned business back in the 80s. Um, it's a, we sell and buy quality used and new sporting goods. So we're different from Dick's Sporting Goods and all the big box chains where you can only get new merchandise. Here at Play It Against Sports, we can buy your old used merchandise um, and give it a new home and um, give you cash right on the spot or we give you store credit and you can buy stuff for your children or what you need. Um, it's good for starting out kids in, in sports um, so that way you can not go out and buy all brand new equipment and they're going to play two months and say they don't like it anymore and you're stuck <laughs> with all this equipment. You can come in here and buy you sporting goods that's in good shape and sellable, and you can spend half or 70% of new prices. And the other good thing is, is when they grow out of it, you can sell it back to us, uh, assuming it's still in quality condition, and then you can get a store credit and use that to buy up on the next size if they're staying in it. So look at it as a win-win. You can go new or you can go used. That's up to you. Right. And it's also, I mean, it's great because you can just save a lot of money that way. I mean, you know, you go in and you can buy, like you said, you know, very like skis, you know, skis is a lot are expensive, you know, but if you have somebody that wants to try out skiing, you can buy, you know, that equipment and go ahead and, and try it out without, you know, emptying your wallet. So how did you end up um, getting the opportunity to uh, become you know, uh, the owner of Play It Against Sports? Well, it's an interesting story. Um, I've, you know, been working at Walgreens for about 11 years at this point. This was about two years ago in the November, December of 2014. 
and I wasn't very happy there, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. You know, I, I knew I wanted to leave Walgreens, but I didn't know what I wanted to do after that. And I didn't really want to go get another retail management job and start over. And luckily for me, my wife decided to get involved. Um, <laughs> and so she started to look at other opportunities, and we talked through a few, a few, few things. And, you know, it had to be something I was really interested in. You know, I didn't want to just get a job at a company or, you know, do something else um, in a similar vein, and then she came across this franchise opportunity and started looking into those, and we talked about a few different ones, but, you know, it had to be something that I was interested in, um, and she came across Played Against Sports, which obviously, you know, being a huge sports fan, you know, growing up in Chicago and liking all the sports, you know, that seemed like a natural interest where I could combine my retail experience with my love of sports. Um, so we spent a few months um, looking at that and looking over what the financial commitment would be, and it was a very rigorous pro- project, and they had to approve me. You know, I couldn't just mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm ready to buy, you know. So we had mm-hmm. a whole process of going through the financials, which was probably the most important part, um, because as a franchise, you're buying the name and you're, you know, you're in you're showing you're you're the face of their name, so they don't want to just give it to anybody. Um, you know whether you have money or not, you have to have a certain amount of money, you know, to buy the franchise name uh, and have a certain amount of equity to to run the business. Um, but it it was a long process. It took three or four months for us to kind of get through that whole process and then make the decision. Um, you know, I went to Minneapolis where their headquarters are to to meet with them, um, and, you know, finally we made the decision in the spring of 2015 that this is what we wanted to do, so I quit my job, and here I am. Wow. And I, I want to dig a little deeper into the process of, you know, applying to become a franchise franchise franchisee, correct? It's not a franchise, because the... Franchisor yeah, so, is the company, and I am the franchisee. Right. Right. So, um, but before we get to that, you know, how did you, was it a hard decision for you to make? You know, like how did you feel like you had the skill and the, and sort of the resources to do it? You know, I mean, you had a lot of experience in retail management, which I'm sure was extremely valuable in, in what you're doing. So it seems like it would be a natural transition, but what were, what were some of your fears and challenges? Well, I didn't have any doubt that I could run the business being, you know, with all my experience, which was, I thought there'd be, a, when I met with them originally, probably 90% of the people who buy franchises have no retail experience, which I found wow. odd because that's it's like, that's the hardest part is learning, you know, how do you run a store? How do you merchandise a store? How do you hire employees? You know, right. how do you train your employees? And that was the easy part for me. Um, because I'd done it so much. So the hardest part was, you know, making the financial commitment and, and deciding if this was the right business based on their business model for me and my family to, you know, commit a lot of resources to, or did I want to stay doing what I was doing, making a salary, having a nice, nice health benefits? You mm-hmm. know, that was the so hardest part. it was more part. the jump. It was the, the jump to self-employment. 
Really? Absolutely. That was say. that was by far the hardest part. I'd never done that. I'd only worked for corporately owned big companies, you know, so I never I didn't have any experience, you know, working by myself with a smaller company and trying to build the brand. Right. I mean, Walgreens, everybody knows Walgreens. So right. it wasn't hard to get customers to come into the store and shop there because they have a built-in, you know, recognition. This one was a little harder. And there's security there for you. You know, there's a salary. There's good health insurance. There's, you know, I mean, even though you never know what's going to happen with a job, you know, there there is security there um, that you just uh, that's built in. So Absolutely. yeah, I get the jump to entrepreneurship. I didn't realize how big a deal that was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very expensive for the small business owner. So yes. um, we're talking to Mark Ellison. He is the owner of Played Against Sports in Palatine, Palatine. Palatine. <laughs> oh, geez, I thought I had it right. This is uh, you guys. I am struggling with this. Palatine. Like Thank you, Jody. I know. I wrote it down too. I don't know what. See, I told you we were going to be in trouble if I got the name wrong. But um, stay. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about the process of becoming a franchise e when we return. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at Avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Let's Get Radical, and we're talking to Mark Ellison today. He is the owner of Play It Against Sports in Palatine, <laughs> Illinois. Yes. Okay. Whew. Um, I think you're and- over the hump. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And um, we are talking about franchising, which is a really interesting uh, subject. And, you know, a lot of businesses are franchises. And so, um, so Mark, you know, let's dig a little bit deeper into the process of, of becoming a franchisee to play it against sports. And um, sort of what was the application like? Because you had mentioned in the last segment that they had to, you know, sort of approve you. So I, I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are curious as to what goes into that. You know, what what are they asking for? What are the questions they're asking you? Um, and what did you have to do to prepare? Sure. Sure. Um, the majority of it was financials. Um, luckily, my wife is an accountant, and it was a lot easier to get that information together than if I had to do it myself, because I might still be applying. Um, so it was a lot of financial history and your assets and your liabilities, and you know they wanted to make sure that you weren't, you know, you were in this for the long term and not, you know just have enough money to cover your opening or your first couple years, you know, you have to be viable financially for them to approve you. Um, so that was the hardest part was, you know, getting that information together and digging into, you know, what we had saved up for the rainy day, so to speak, um, to see if this was, you know, a viable option for us. Um, that was the hardest and the longest part. And then I had went up to Minneapolis for a week. Um, they do some beginning training for you where they go over a lot of basic stuff. This is before you've even committed to it. So it's kind of a test for them, and you interview. um, You do direct interviews with a lot of their people there, their training staff and their director of stores. You know, it's kind of a get-to-know-you. to You know, and they said all along that they want me to feel as comfortable with them as they are with me because it's a team. I mean, even though it's my financial involvement, I still have to follow the franchisor's guidelines on a lot of things because it's their name um, and their reputation. Um, so that whole week of training was a learning process to see if if we were compatible with each other, you know, so that was, that was the kind of the last step before we had to decide if we wanted to take the plunge because that was a, you know, no commitment, just my time and my, you know, going up to Minneapolis and spending the week there to learn kind of, you know, just basics of how the company worked and what they expected of me, Um, you know. And then, you know, they gave us names of owners to talk to um, who agreed to talk, you know, about what their experiences were like. And I talked to a lot of great people. My wife called some people, and I called some people. And I even met with some people out in the Chicagoland area who owned the franchise for 20 years and kind of got some of their experiences with the thing and what they liked and what they didn't like and, you know, would you do it again type of thing, um, which is really nice because it's, you know, it was nice to be able to talk to people who have done it. And like I said, most of their backgrounds were in sales or in different industries, and they've decided to make the change, and they learned on the job how to run a store um, where I didn't necessarily have to do that, but there's still a lot to learn about opening the store and getting it up and running that took a long time too so once i we had made 
you know, done our due diligence with all of that, then we decided to take the plunge and make the commitment. So I have a question. Is running a franchise very similar to being a store manager for a corporate store? Because you have that background of having worked at um, Walgreens and Venture and um, like actually running stores, running retail outlets. So is it working? Is it very similar to working with corporate versus owning? Or do you see a very distinct difference between being that franchisee and dealing with the corporate franchisor versus, you know, being an employee and working for a corporate store? It is different. I mean, retail in the, in the basic sense is, you know, having merchandise and selling merchandise. That's not different. Um, the difference is, is they don't, being a franchise, you can run your store the way you want to run it. You know, they gave me basic guidelines and they drew up a plan of where, the departments in the store would be, you know, my hockey department's here, my baseball department's there, um, and they gave me um, the connections to buy the new merchandise that I carry from all the major vendors like any other company would. The difference is, is I have to buy it and I have to decide what I want to carry, and I can change the store look any way I want to, whereas a big store, you can't. You know, working at Walgreens, they told you what section the vitamins were in and how to reset it when they got new product in, and everybody did it the same way. But you also didn't have that. You didn't have to buy merchandise. They bought it for you, in theory, and, and you know, and shipped it to you. Um, so they control, in a corporate setting, they control everything and, you know, you kind of act more like robots where you just do exactly what they tell you. You don't have a lot of freedom to make your own decisions on what to carry or how to tailor it towards your customer base where every store, you know, has different clientele. Um, Here I can tailor it to my exact customers any way I want to. And so what would you say are top sellers for in your store? Um, and is it different, you know, in your area compared to, like, maybe um, others around you? You know, like, what are some specific top sellers? Yeah. Um, I mean, the closest store to us is in Schaumburg, where most of the customers from this area went to for the last five years or so. Um and I think our customers are pretty similar. I mean, we sell a lot of hockey equipment, a lot of baseball equipment. Um, those, I think, are pretty standard anywhere because those are the – and soccer. That's where most of the young kids start. You know, they'll try soccer. They try baseball. Um, and with the success of the Blackhawks over the last six years, hockey has grown quite a bit um, to be a participation sport. Then it kind of gets – a little different based on what you carry. Um, I have a very big golf section because I'm a huge golfer and I love golf. And I've had a lot of customers who've shopped at the other stores in the area tell me they like my golf section because I have a lot of good equipment. You know, and that's kind of a, you know, maybe a hit or miss at different stores. Um, Same with exercise equipment. I mean, you know, everybody has some sort of treadmills and ellipticals. Um, It's just you know, what you carry can differentiate you from the store down the street. And, you know, a lot of people do shop, you know, at different stores, you know, to look around before making a decision. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and your inventory is always changing because it's because you have the resale component as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people come in looking for, you know, some people come in looking for a specific item and I say, you know, I might have that in 10 minutes or I might never have it, you know, especially <laughs> on a used piece because sometimes you just never know what's going to walk in your front door. That's the exciting part about, um, you know, this type of business is you might get somebody who walks in with a, you know, great pieces that you know you can sell and you're excited to buy them and they're excited to get some money for products that have been sitting in their basement collecting dust for years. Um, so, yeah, you just never know what you're going to get in and, you know, then you can start advertising it out to your customers and hopefully that will bring them in. And how do you have? How do you decide on the guidelines on what you can accept? I mean, obviously, you know, I would imagine the equipment has to be in good shape. But you know, are there other guidelines that you know the franchisor puts on you um, as compared to like what guidelines you you have for yourself? Does that yeah, make sense? There's a we have a whole buying guide, you know, buying system in our point of sale system that's set up in kind of parameters. It breaks it down by beginner, you know, advanced and intermediate. So, you know, if if you do your research on the product and it's a lower level price pointed item, you can assign a certain value to it and then it's based on the condition. You know, some stuff we just can't take because it's ripped or it's torn or it's too old. Mm-hmm. Um, golf is a perfect example because the technology changes so quickly um, people bring in golf clubs that are 10 years old, and I just sometimes I can't buy them because there's not a resale market for them. Um, whereas other pieces, you know, other categories can last 10, 15 years, and they still, you know, work great, and, and there's a market for them. Um, so those guidelines are all set up by the franchise or in the system, but it's just a kind of a basic guide um, where we enter the information, and then it can assign a, a value to it what we think we can sell it at, um, and then we give the customer a percentage of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been to retail stores that are, are like that, you know, where people bring in clothes that they don't want anymore, and then the store will give either a, a credit or cash. Um, so, but I'm not sure if they're act- like Buffalo Exchange, Beacon's Closet, like in my area. Actually, Buffalo Exchange is national, but... I, um, so I guess the question is, and maybe this is a question for Jody before we go to break, how do you, what is the difference between a chain and a franchise? Well, I was going to say a franchise is owned by franchisees, right? So there's a corporate piece to it, but then the franchisees actually pay, um, they, they pay a licensing fee. Well, they pay like a buy-in fee depending on the franchise. And then they pay a licensing fee to use that name and to use their systems all the time. Right. A chain is like a big box store where it's still all owned by corporate and corporate runs everything where there isn't um, an individual who's a business owner connected right. to it. It's still all corporate. So one gotcha. of the things about franchises that is not only do you pay to buy in, like to, to buy the name and to buy their systems and their processes is you also have to pay a reoccurring fee um, to use their systems and processes and then a percentage. And I don't, we can ask Mark how theirs works, but then usually a percentage of sales also goes for ongoing marketing, et cetera. That is correct. Yeah. I pay mm-hmm. uh, 5% of my weekly sales back to them. And, and how does that work for you? 
Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask you, like, how that works for you, you know, um, in terms of how you, what you feel like. Do you feel like that's fair? I do. I think that's fair. I mean, you're, you know, obviously they want you to do better because they're in the business of selling more franchises. So the more mm-hmm. money I make, the, you know, percentage, you know, the percentage stays the same, but the dollars go up and down based on how my sales were. So they do have a vested interest in me doing you know, as well as I can, um, you know, because then they, it just gives more money back to them on the, you know, on the sales end that I pay them every week. Right. Do they give you sales goals that they want you to meet? No. I mean, they have, they, yeah. they go over every month. They, you know, they kind of have a general plan for the company. There's over mm-hmm. 300 stores in the U.S. and Canada, you know, and they're trying to grow the business. So they do have goals for the company, you know, average sales, average used sales, you know, margin percentages, you know, and obviously in the first year, um, you know, you're starting out, so you're trying to build your business, so, you know, you're trying to get to their numbers as quickly as possible because, you know, the bottom line still in a business is to make money. Right. Right. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to continue talking to Mark Ellison. He is the uh, owner of Play It Against Sports in Palatine, Illinois. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at Avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit NewVisionCPAGroup.com today for more information. You are listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. I'm Jody Paydar, and I'm here with Liz Gold. And I have to give a quick shout out to our sponsors who are Intuit and Avalara, so accounting software as well as sales tax software, Woo-hoo! which <laughs> actually has a um, a, a, a part in today's um, segment because it's a retail store and where, you know, there's retail, there's taxes, especially sales taxes. So now we're in my favorite part of the show, which is the financial underwear drawer. And um, we're speaking with Mark Ellison, the owner of, I should say, the new franchise owner of Play It Again Sports, where he just came into purchasing his franchise at the age of 50. And I guess um, usually we dig into the financial underwear drawer, but I guess my thought for you is like, what, what have you learned in this past year financially or otherwise that you would want to tell um, people who are thinking about buying a franchise? Like what would be like those lessons learned or, um, and they could be financial or underwise or, or otherwise um, but what have you learned over the past year is kind of jumping ship from a corporate job and going into franchise? Well, the, the first thing I learned is that no matter how much money you think you're going to spend, you usually spend more. <laughs> Things don't always cost what you project them to be. There's always issues that you're not aware of or don't, you know, you are unforeseen. So we the franchise or we set up a business plan and typed in a lot of expenses that they kind of had an idea on, you know, being market already. Um, so they could, you know, I had no idea how much it costs to rent a store or, you know, to rent a store, to do a build out, to buy inventory. You know, I had no idea. I never had to do any of that. Um, so there were expenses that were under, under uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Budgeted. Under budgeted, yes. Um, some things were less. You know, some things that we budgeted. I budgeted twelve hundred dollars for a skate sharpening machine, and I got one for eight hundred dollars. Well, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but the under budgeting, you know, the saving money was a lot less than the overspending was more. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, especially the build-out and hiring a contractor and doing all that stuff was way more expensive than I thought, um, you know, and dealing with the town municipalities and getting approval for, you know, getting approval from the fire department and the village and everything was definitely something I never um, never had to do before because um, working in a corporate environment, even if you're doing a remodel in your store, corporate takes care of that. They get the permits mm-hmm. and they hire the contractors and right. you just got to work with them in the store. Um, the other thing was advertising. I mean, we spent a lot of money on opening the store advertising budget, and that's still the biggest kind of issue having is trying to figure out the right amount of money each month based on my sales to spend on advertising. Do I want to spend more? You know, am I spending too much here? You know, kind of reviewing that on a monthly basis, trying to figure out, you know, because I need to get customers into the store, but sometimes are you spending too much on similar type things that's really not doing you any good? So that's that's been the biggest ongoing issue is, is trying to figure out where my advertising dollars go and how the best to use it. Well, well in your brand new store, so there's yeah. that whole market piece, right? Nobody knew that you existed there. So there's that whole new business 
component. I mean, even though you're a franchise and you have a brand, it's hard to get people to even know that there's a store in that mall. Right. That's, you know, finding the location was the hardest, you know, was a hard part. We spent a part of the summer in 2015. Um, I have a childhood friend of mine who's a commercial real estate agent, so that helped quite a bit. Um, He knew a lot of the landlords in the area and got me a a good deal on the rent. Um, But then, yeah, you know, it's kind of a, you know, if I opened Mark's Sporting Goods store, nobody would ever know what that is, and the advertising to get people to come in would be, you know, huge. But, you know, Played Against Sports does have, you know, name recognition in this market. Mm -hmm. So that helped, too. It was just getting them to know that there was a new location where it was in Palatine, you know, and what we were doing um, to get people, you know, to know we're there. Where are you advertising? Like, what kind of medium are you using primarily? Uh, right now, most of it is, you know, on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have a website for the business, um, and we do a lot of a lot of Facebook advertising. Um, I get, you know, I... I I'm trying to gather an email list of customers who are interested in the store so I can email them sales and coupon events every month. Um, you know, and then it's it's just trying to do a lot of digital advertising, which seems to be the way of the world these days. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have a question actually um, regarding when you were looking for the space and sort of getting up and running, like how long did it take you from like when you signed the, the paperwork to when you opened your front door? Like how, what was the timeline for that? Um, we signed the paperwork, I believe it was March of 2015, and our grand opening was December 3rd of 2015. Okay. So it took about nine months. Um, and, you, and you were still working full time while you were doing that? No, well, at the beginning, I was. I quit on April fifteenth. Was my last day, tax day. So <laughs> that was my. I mean, I could have stayed longer, um, a little longer, but I had to. Um, I had to buy a lot of used merchandise to get the store open. Mm-hmm. So I was spent my whole summer of twenty fifteen buying used merchandise while shopping for a location. And working 50 hours, 50 to 60 hours a week at Walgreens, working nights and weekends and all kinds of stuff, I didn't think I would be able to do it. And if I couldn't get, because I have to get a certain amount of dollar value of inventory before they would let me open. I can't open with, you know, 20 pieces of merchandise because that sets a bad precedent. They wouldn't even let me do that. You know, there were certain guidelines I had to follow from the franchisor to even get my doors open, and since I, you know, signed a lease from, I believe, July 1st, you know, they don't want me opening during, you know, certain times because of Christmas and all that. So I, I was in danger of not opening till this year in January, but I wanted to get open, you know, for the Christmas season last year. So I had to, I had to quit my job. I really wasn't that upset about that. <laughs> I mean, you really just like dove in. And I, I mean, I think it, it, the other piece that's really interesting is that you're 50 and you're like, okay, like we're, we're doing this. I'm changing the course of my career. You know, you're making a really big life change. So, I mean, what would you say to other, you know, I guess 50 year old or, you know, not because you think of the entrepreneur or somebody who's starting a business sometimes as, as somebody who's like in their 20s. And I think that that's like a misconception because there are a lot of, 
you know, people in their 50s, 60s, even starting new businesses? And what kind of advice would you give to them? Well, I, w- I would definitely say, you know, obviously it has to be financially feasible for you to start that business. I mean, luckily it was for us, and my wife has a good job, um, so she can handle paying the bills for a little while while I get this mm-hmm. up and running. Um, but it's, it's, it was a big financial you know, commitment and you know, a career change in that respect from going from employee to owner. Um, but if, if you have a passion for something, you know, being a, a retail employee is not the most glamorous job. And, you know, my dad did it too, so I kind of grew up, you know, with my dad working for Sears for 30 years. Um, so it's not, you know, it, it pays the bills and it can be a good long career, but, you know, again, you're working for somebody else and, you know, if you have the opportunity to do something on your own, um, you know, that would be, you know, take the plunge if you can financially mm-hmm. afford it. That's the biggest, the biggest piece of it for your financial future, especially, you know, as you get a little older and you start thinking, you know, the end of your working career and, you know, what you want that to be, you know, I could have easily just stayed at Walgreens for another 10 or 15 years and probably retired off that, but I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, age is a number, you know, you if you have the opportunity and the drive and, like you said, the financial means to do it, then what what should stop you? Nothing, really. So, um, what was the other question? Oh, I wanted to ask you, how many employees do you have? I have six employees right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed from some of the other owners that they have managers who run their stores for them and more employees, and I just didn't, you know, with my background, I that was an unnecessary expense I didn't feel I needed because I can run the store um, because I know how to do it. So I have two key holders and four part-time employees. Most of them are high school, college-age kids who um, specialize in certain sports. I have some baseball players, some hockey players, mm-hmm. you know, so they're more equipped to, you know, if somebody, a parent comes in with their six-year-old kid who wants to play hockey for the first time, okay, here, I have employees who play hockey and they can fit them properly and know exactly what they're looking for without having them spend, you know, a thousand dollars on new hockey equipment that they don't need. Right. Right. So we're, we're talking to Mark Ellison and, um, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Advance and evolve. 
Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at Avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's one 866 You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Paydar. And our guest today is Mark Ellison, and he is the owner of Play It Against Sports in Palatine, Illinois. And he is the new owner. He, he's been uh, in business for about a year. And so we've been talking to him about his experience of becoming a franchisee. And it's been a really interesting uh, story. And so now we're, you know, we're coming into the holiday season, Mark. And I know for retailers, this can be like their big meat and potatoes time of year and, um, and can be pretty stressful. But what are you, uh, what are you guys doing to prepare for the holidays and, and, um, you know, what, what's going on in your store? Well, um, you know, we just had, got through Black Friday and that weekend and was very successful. Um, it's a good time of year because people like to spend money. Um, So, you know, we're going to try to run some sales every week to, you know, entice people to come in and, you know, looking mostly for their kids, I would assume, um, deals on all our all our equipment mainly, and uh, gift cards also really get pushed this time of year. Um, the good thing about Play It Against Sports is since we're a national chain, you know, a grandparent can buy gift cards for their grandkids and ship them all over the country because they're not just used at one store. They can be used at any store nationwide and in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so wow. you know, we're getting into the gift season where they're looking for, you know, new products and, and exercise season is starting up with the weather getting colder and people not being able to go outside as much. Treadmill. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Treadmill. Treadmill season, Exercise right? bikes, um, <laughs> all kinds of fitness equipment seem to be a good, a good, um, gift as well if you're looking you know to spend a little more money but uh we have a good selection of new and used so you don't have to break the bank 
And so, like, how do you have your hours expanded? Like, for Black Friday, you know, you hear of these stories about Walmart opening at, like, I don't know, one in the morning or probably even before that at this point. Do you guys do that kind of thing, too? I mean, how are you dealing with the, you know, do you expand your hours? No. I mean, we opened an hour earlier on Friday since we were closed on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't miss those days of having to go into the store at 4 in the morning or something to get a store ready to open on Black Friday, those those weren't as much fun <laughs> for the workers. Yes. I mean, the, the shoppers are love it, but the workers do not. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, we don't really have to open any different hours um, because there's, I mean, people aren't, we're not a destination, you know, on Black Friday. They're all looking for TVs. So um, we opened an hour earlier, and we got some really good traffic in the first hour we were open, you know, which was better. But that was the only time. Otherwise, we're going to keep the same hours. Now, are you in a mall or are you in, a str- like, a strip mall? How, where is your location? Like, can yeah, you explain to me mall. the physical? Okay. We're on Northwest Highway in Palatine. So um, the strip mall we're in has a, has a really good mix of, uh, national brands like Dollar Tree and Ace Hardware, um, and it has a you know good mix of some local individual stores too. So, you know that was one thing my real estate agent and I looked at was the traffic flow, and we get all those you know results. You can see how many cars drive by your store every day, and you know looking at traffic patterns, which really help. Um, wow. So yeah, that that was you know that was kind of one of the deciding factors on. Um, you know, where you want to go is you're definitely looking for, you know, to maximize your traffic flow. So even if they're not planning on coming there, they might see your sign and go, oh, I need to go in there. Right, right. So, Jody, any other questions about holidays or that you have for Mark that we have no, not I covered? I guess my thought is, is if there was something that you would do differently after your first year, what would you have done differently, like, looking back? Um... I think I think the biggest thing was figuring out how to buy merchandise. You know, like I said, working in corporate environments, you don't have to buy anything. You know, I mean, your store pays for it, but you don't have to decide what to carry. It's all corporately decided for you. And, you know, I made I definitely made some mistakes in buying merchandise that I thought would sell. Um, but it's a learning process of what your customer wants. So over the year, you can kind of refine it and make sure your employees know what you're looking for and, you know, buying some stuff that maybe was more used than you thought or buying some models that, you know, just weren't selling and you realize your customers didn't really want it. So you kind of adjust on the fly as you as you learn your market and what your customers want, you know, because that, that changes your buying patterns because everything you buy, you want to turn around and sell. I mean, obviously, it doesn't work that way, but that's your goal. Um, so that was probably the one thing I would change. Is I, I probably should have been a little more informed on condition and what I was buying from the used perspective. And I probably could have gone to one of the other stores and kind of worked with them for a few days, um, you know, kind of see how the process worked. I kind of thought I... I knew what I was doing in that respect. I probably could have done that differently. Well, I think that's interesting because I always think about retail and I think about why stores succeed or fail. And you always think, oh, it's the buyer, right? And so that, I mean, too, that's probably just some of the on-the-job training that you had to learn. But that's really interesting to me because 
um, that's what's going to give your store its personality. And that's mm-hmm. what's going to make it a destination as far as like what your customers want. And if you get to know your customers in that particular location, because the customers in Palatine might be a little bit different than the customers in Schaumburg, um, or I would say even more diverse like New York, then the buyer, i.e. you, is going to be the one who's going to help make or break that retail experience, which is what's going to give your Played Against Sports like a feel that it's its own Played Against Sports or a little bit more of you versus kind of that national brand. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to also know how much your customers are willing to spend. I mean, this area is, you know, probably upper middle class area. So, you know, there's there's definitely, you know, some higher income people who live in this area as opposed to maybe some of the other areas. So you have to know what price points to get to on some of the new equipment is, you know, will they spend a little more money and buy a higher end or, you know, are they just looking for value and want, you know, don't want to spend that much? That's, you know, that's an issue too. I mean, you go into the hockey department and, I mean, you could get a $1,000 pair of skates if you so choose to. You know, I don't carry those in my store because I don't think, you know, that's uh, an item that my customers would buy. So that's kind of another thing you have to learn, too, is what they're willing to spend. You know, maybe they would spend more if you had it. But, you know, that's a lot of investment in products you're just not sure if they're going to sell. So it's a a big learning curve. Right, right. So, Mark, how can people find you? Um, And how can they, where are you online? You know, give give our listeners all your info. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, Well, we're located at 315 East Northwest Highway in Palatine, Illinois, 60067. Our website is www.playitagainstsportspalatineplaza.com. That middle piece is all one word. Uh, phone number, 847-221-8260. Uh, we're on Facebook. Um, just do Play It Against Sports Palatine, and you can find us. And, you know, if you have any questions, you want to sell some stuff and you're not sure, we, I take I get emails from customers every day looking to sell things and they're not sure how to do it. And we pick up merchandise, especially the bigger pieces, because people don't want to drag a treadmill into my store on the chance I may or may not buy it. So I do a lot of that where I'll go to people's houses and (laughs) look at their equipment, and if we buy it, we'll pick it up from them so they don't have to worry about it. So, everyone, you've heard it here first. Uh, Give Mark a call or or drop him a line um, at Play Against Sports in Palatine. And uh, Mark, thank you so much for being here today. We, you, everybody knows that you can get in touch with us at Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on, um, where else are we? We're on Stitcher and iTunes. And next week we're going to be talking about exit strategy and succession plans uh, with my former boss. It's going to be pretty cool. And um, thank you so much, Mark, for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you. It's been a thank great Thank you for having uh, me. I really episode. appreciate the time. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to Let's Get Radical. Please join Liz Gold and Jody Paydar again next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, it's time for you to get radical.